My name is Donnie Clinton, Jr. I am the director of the student ministry at Sycamore Presbyterian Church, and there are a lot more of you in second service than in first service. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to bring you God's word this morning. If you're looking for the verses we'll be in, in the bluish black Bible in front of you, it's on page 838. We'll be in John 6, 35 through 40. Uh, And this morning, we're talking about something called assurance. Assurance is the Christian idea. What What we're communicating is that we are confident that Jesus holds on to his people forever. That those who are held by Jesus will be held for all eternity. And the good news is there's nothing you can do about it. That he has a, has a firm hold on his people. We'll be going over John 6, 35 through, 30, th- through 40 in just three points. The first one will be disbelief. The second one will be disposal. And the third one will be dedication. It's a very simple message. Uh, let's read John. We'll pray and then we'll begin. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Pray with me. Lord, we are tempted to believe that we give you good reason to not hold on to us. We think that we can (laughs) squirrel our way out of our salvation by our own efforts or our sins. Remind us today, Lord, that your hold is forever because you love us and that those who are held by you are held securely for all eternity. Lord, be with us as we hear about your dear son. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So we'll start with the first point, disbelief. This is verses 35 through 36. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. Up until this point in John 6, Jesus has been talking about something called the bread of life. John 6 contains something called the bread of of life discourse. Um, And it's been in reference, this part of the conversation, to something called manna in the desert. If you don't know, there's a story in the book of Exodus uh, 16 where God sustains his people with bread given to them from heaven. 
And the Jewish crowd that is in front of Jesus is saying, our forefathers ate of that bread in in Exodus 16. But in this conversation, Jesus is saying, well, there's a better bread. There's something better that came down from heaven. And, And this better thing will fill you up for all eternity. This better thing will take away the thirst that you have. And so the crowd believes that Jesus is talking about real bread or, or, or real water because just previous to this, the same crowd who is in front of him was the crowd of the 5,000 who was fed by Jesus' miracle. Some of the people who were there are now asking Jesus um, these questions. So the crowd asks for this physical bread in verse 34 and Jesus corrects the misunderstanding of him. And Jesus tells them that he's the bread of life that he's the one who can fill up people's spiritual bellies and and quench their spiritual thirst, and that if they believe in him, he will satisfy their longings and their cravings in a way that nothing else ever could. But the crowd doesn't believe. That's what verse 36 says. That's what Jesus accuses them of. You have seen me, but you don't believe. But why don't they believe? Well, they don't believe in Jesus at this moment because in just a few verses prior, in 630, they asked him for another sign. This crowd came to Jesus and said, well, if you want us to believe in you, then you have to show me why you're worthy of my belief. You have to do a miracle. More fish, more loaves, more water. I want to see you do something miraculous. Then I will believe in you. They want proof. They want proof that Jesus is worth putting their faith in. And now, intrinsically, that's not a terrible thing. Christians come to Jesus and ask him for things all the time. That's what prayer is. But the difference is you and I, believers, come to him in faith knowing that he will do as he pleases and what he does is good. These people are coming to Jesus and saying, I will not have faith in you until you prove that you're worthy of it. If Jesus doesn't show me a sign, then he's not worthy of, being, of not having my belief. They're looking for something physical, but they have no real sense of the fact that there is something indelibly empty in them that only Jesus can fill up. They go to their Lord and they say, give me physical things. Give me these things so I have a tangible evidence of your goodness. Their their belief in God's goodness is directly connected to him producing physical things in their life. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying, you have a deep spiritual need And you, by virtue of your human sinfulness, go looking in deep wells and for other places to find deep satisfaction. In our families, in our our paychecks, in our social circles, and reputation, our, our status as officers, and the church maybe, like you are running to wells to find drinks, but after you drink there, you're just left empty. And the problem is, if Jesus were to do a miracle that would somehow 
compel these people to believe in him, what happens when those things stop? What happens when when the physical things in your life that you've attached Jesus' goodness to suddenly go away? In a crowd this size, I'm sure people have lost people unexpectedly. And, And I know that I have as well. Things I've really harbored, like anchored my faith in. And when those things have dried up or gone away, I have been led to believe, well, then Jesus isn't for me. That's my sinfulness. I, I attach God's goodness to physical things in this, in this belief that maybe if I have all the physical things in the world, then I will be truly taken care of. No, no, no. When I attach myself to these things and they go away, my faith goes away. So your faith cannot be built on the foundation of signs and miracles because they will fade Once they look past the signs and miracles and see the one doing the signs, then this empty spiritual depth in them can be filled up. Every human person is a a pilgrim on earth looking for fulfillment and we think we can find it in things other than Jesus, but when we find Jesus, we found our home. The spiritual pilgrimage is over. There is no disbelief because we're not building our faith on signs. We're building it on the person doing the sign. When you found your home in Jesus, you found your home for eternity. Those who believe in Jesus and come to him in faith are held by him forever. They are never thrown away. Which brings us to our second point. Disposal. This is verses 37 through 38. Follow along. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The Greek language... Koine Greek is the language of the New Testament. It's, it's fascinating. Um, at the end of verse 37, when it, when it says never there, it's actually an emphatic. It's an emphatic form of the word uh, never, and, and it's much stronger. And it's attached to that word cast out, and which is a common Greek word. Like you've, you've, you, you would use the word when you throw your garbage away. That that is the kind of sense this, world, this word has. It is, it is something that is thrown away, easily forgotten about, discarded. Maybe not of great significance. In a very rudimentary way, this ver- these verses could be translated, everyone that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never, ever dispose of them. Whoever comes to me, I will never, ever dispose of them. Here, Jesus is is continuing his point that those who come to him in faith will never be thirsty or hungry again, and that's that's just the floor of it. It's much more than that, more than never being hungry, spiritually speaking, 
or never being thirsty, Jesus will hold on to his people forever. They will be secure forever, never thrown away. But even as I, I was reading that, it's like, well, why, why wouldn't Jesus throw me away? Why wouldn't Jesus dispose of me? Well, it's because Jesus is, is doing the will of God. In the, it's called the economy of salvation. Salvation is Trinitarian insofar as God is the one who says who will be saved Jesus is the one who, who, who secures that salvation in a sacrifice and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit, God's helper, Jesus' helper, uh, applies that salvation to us. The one who, who, who says that we are secure for all eternity, God has sent his son to earth to demonstrate for you and for me that those who have faith in Jesus will never be thrown away. And the language of I will never dispose of them is fascinating because we live in a time where it's easy to throw people away. It's easy to dispose of them. When, when someone popular does something wrong or they, or they transgress a cultural line, we culture cancels them. They're forgotten about, they're cast away, their whole empires are, are burnt down. The response from mainstream culture to people who do things wrong in the public eye is that they deserve punishment. When someone hurts our feelings, we, we set them at arm's length. We're, we're told all the time, I think, that if someone doesn't add value to our life, then what's the point of spending time with them? Because you need to look out for number one. You need to look out for yourself. Numero uno, me. Like I'm the most important one. So if you're not adding value, I can get rid of you. I could just ditch someone who doesn't add quality to my life. It's like, well, sign me up because I, I, I would love, I would love to have a life with no complications of people. That's, that's not true, but that's what culture teaches us. In fact, we get the very opposite message from Jesus here. That his, his mission on earth is that he would hold God's people for all eternity. And where cancel culture might have made it simple to give up on people, it's just reinforcing this deep down need or this deep down thought in you and I that I have to justify my existence before you. Like you have to make sure that you're good enough before someone, before you're worthy of their time, you're worthy of their focus. But, but this asks us, these, these verses asks us, is that the behavior of Jesus? Is that the behavior of our Savior? If I can dispose of people without consequence, then that means I have to burn the midnight oil to prove to everyone that I'm worthy of being part of their life. I have to justify my existence before you. I have to say, here are the things that make me a good person to keep around. Here is why you shouldn't get rid of me. When I was a, a young man, my, my family life growing up was rather uh, difficult. On top of being disjointed because of generational drug and alcohol abuse, there were, there were anger issues and, and depression and anxiety. 
And, and whenever someone got mad, I, I felt like I had lost emotional equity with them. They, they would get emotionally distant and, and cold to me. It felt like they had disposed of me. If I spent too much time at a friend's house, well, then Donnie can be disposed of. They didn't kick me out on the street, but they did withhold their, their love and care for me. They made me feel like I wasn't welcome in my own home or like I wasn't held or loved or cared for. Like even if, if someone said or didn't say or didn't communicate a boundary and I transgressed it, I was still in trouble. And it was a volatile house and it was easy to feel like maybe I'm not loved here. Or maybe I'm not worth being held on to. And I suspect that maybe you have similar anxieties and fears as well. And if you don't, that's great. Praise God. But I, I suspect in a room decide that there are people who feel they have to justify their existence before other people by their work. I, I, uh, I suspect that there are people who come from families who have reinforced that they are not worthy if they do not add some kind of perceived value. And the good news in our text this morning is that is not your savior. Like Jesus isn't ashamed to hold on to you. He's not uh, discouraged by the fact that you're sinful. He will hold on to you for all eternity because, because he loves you. Jesus doesn't get rid of people, especially when they look past the signs and believe in him. The signs will dry up. The Savior is eternal. If the signs dry up, there will be disbelief. But in faith in Christ, you are not disposed of. You are held. You are cared for. You are secure forever. In the scene from the Blues Brothers, they, good transition, right? They go to a diner where they're looking for their bandmate, Matt. Um, Matt and and the, the Blues Brothers are working to get their old, old band back together and they find their bandmate and they ask him if he'd come back uh, for one last show. The bandmate's wife played by Aretha Franklin says you're not going to go back on the road and you're not playing in any more two-bit dives. Aretha protests as any logical person would if their husband is giving up a stable job for a career on the road that promises no income. Right? Jake says ma'am would it make you feel any better if you knew that what, we're asking, that what we're asking Matt to do is a holy thing? And Elwood then interjects, see, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's funny, but it's similar, and it portrays the, the type of fervor but to a much lesser degree that Jesus came, came down with. That's what the second verse uh, says in verse 38 that I, I'm coming down to do the will of God. That Jesus is, in a sense, not different than the Blue, Blues Brothers insofar as he's on a mission from God to, to demonstrate that you are secure, that those who would believe in him would be held for all eternity. And that mission won't be thwarted. They're going to save the orphanage, just like Jesus is going to secure the salvation for all people for all people who believe in him. It will not change. 
course. It is not flippant or flighty. It doesn't dispose of people. You and I go on trying to justify why it is um, people don't add value to our life and why we might throw them away, but in reality, we're sinful, and Jesus has every right to dispose of, his, of, dispose of us because we transgress against him every day. We break God's law. We forget him in word and deed. We, we do things we shouldn't do as, as, as people of God, but Jesus doesn't throw his, pe- Jesus doesn't throw his people away. That's where Jesus and human love is different. Where our human love is shallow and we can throw people away, Jesus and God do not throw their people away. And practically, Scripture is teaching us that bearing with people who maybe aren't adding value to our life and our perception, or even if they hurt us or wrong us, is a godly thing. It teaches that the believer's plans won't be frustrated, that the people who believe in Jesus will be held and secure for all eternity. And the example to me and you is that we bear with people. We stick around when it's hard. We don't give up on people because Jesus didn't give up on his people. He holds them securely for all eternity. He will never, ever dispose of him. You do not need to work to be more held or more loved by God. You do not need to look to these signs to be the thing to determine where your faith comes from because those things dry up. The crowd was looking to have their bellies filled with physical food. Their perception of their need was only physical. But you are spiritual and you are in need of the satisfaction that only Christ can bring. So we believe in him and not his signs. The signs will fade and even though they indicate the reality of his power, Jesus remains. He is what we believe in. Because those who are held by Jesus, are held for eternity. Their faith sets them in the loving arms of Jesus Christ. What are you looking to for security? Where do you go saying, surely, finally, this will be the thing that makes me feel secure and taken care of and good? Maybe it's like the idol of marriage. Many people believe that when they get into marriage, they will be securely taken care of, but then they find that they married another human. (laughs) And that we can all be let down. And then we try and look for satisfaction in our places of employment and, and climbing up any social ladders, and then we find, oh, the world is filled with humans. And they're gonna let us down. See, these are the things that crowds are are looking for, these physical means of a representation of a reality that's gonna leave people empty. And so Jesus says, don't go to the empty things. Come to me. I will fill your spiritual bellies. I will quench spiritual thirst because I'm dedicated to you. Which brings us to our final point. This dedication in verses 39 through 40. These are Jesus' words. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me and raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. The word will in this, discussing God's will, can also be translated desire. It it speaks of of a dedication on God's behalf to his broken people. That dedication is perfectly realized and personified in Jesus Christ and his going to the cross. He is dedicated to you and to me and to securing us for eternity and it's not by any works that you have done. It is because he has loved you and chose you before all eternity. These verses are communicating that the whole point of Jesus stepping down from heaven and becoming a human was not to do his own will, but the will of his Father. It is God's will that the Son should lose nothing. No individual that is given to Jesus will be lost. Look with me at verse 40 again. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, the language goes from everyone who looks on him, this corporate idea of the church like being saved and the election of God to the, to the finite, to the small. I will raise him up. That's a singular in Greek. It goes from this big church, absolutely the whole church will be saved, but if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you personally are saved. You personally are in this mind of Christ. You personally are held by him. He is dedicated to his people. But we can't just look at Jesus. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to look on the Son and believe that he has purchased our salvation, that he has answered for these deep spiritual needs. But this crowd has looked on him and not believed. There are people in your life, in my life, who can hear about all of the beauty of Jesus and at the end of the day, they will not come to faith there is a willful disobedience against following and believing in God in this crowd. They want Jesus on their terms, not on his. And Jesus will not acquiesce ground when it comes to salvation. We cannot expect that he will just do what I want. Because then like the crowd, we get attached to signs. And when signs dry up, there'll be disbelief. But for those who believe, they're never disposed of. You're held You're cared for. You are loved in a way no human, no person, no job, no role anywhere can ever answer for the depth of need that you have that can only be met in Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, stop drinking out of wells that are gonna dry up. Stop eating bread that's gonna go stale. Come to me for I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life and the eternal well that will quench the spiritual need in your soul. Forgive me. There's a depth of beauty to this that is incredible. We, and we see it most beautifully displayed in the cross. If, if, you are, if you are doubting this morning, does Jesus love me? 
The cross is your proof. The most attested to historical event in, in all of history. This real event happened. It is factual. It is true. For those who are, who are believers, there is a comfort in these words that they will be held for all eternity. But for those who don't believe, there is a discomfort. You will have to search around for things that will hold you and you will find that nothing will satisfy them. Without coming to Christ, you will be cast out. So we look on the Son this morning in faith by the Spirit, knowing that only in Him am I held for all eternity. Only in Christ do I find my security. Only in looking and gazing at the cross and seeing His sacrifice and His life and His resurrection do I see the real depth of what I need answered for. So we look to the sign of the cross, not to miracles, knowing that those who look on the cross and believe are held for all eternity. Pray with me. Lord, we are grateful for the fact that you hold us. We are grateful for your compassion and your love. We run to things looking for the depth of satisfaction that only you provide. Lord, convince us that we are only running to empty wells, that we are looking for meaning under rocks that have nothing. And by the Holy Spirit, lift our eyes up to see you on the cross, dying for me, and compel me to believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us gaze at Jesus more than we gaze at the gifts he gives, knowing both are good, but he is greater. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.